0: Hello and welcome to The World in 30 Minutes, the podcast on the events, policies and ideas that will shape the world from the European Council on Foreign Relations. My name is Mark Leonard and this podcast is being recorded in Rome. The topic is the fracture which is taking place in French society and which is shaping the political landscape and linking the politics of the Middle East with European politics and to help us make sense of that, we're going to be joined by Gilles Kepel, who is one of the most distinguished intellectuals on Islamism and jihadism in the world. He is the leader of a seminar at the École Normale Soup on uh, extremism, do you think, in English? Is that the best? Uh, violence and dogma. Don't violence and, and dogma. say it. But he's also uh, the author of many uh, best-selling books, uh, including most recently a book called La Fracture, which describes this new uh, political um, fracture which is running through French society. Gilles, um, thank you so much for for joining me. Do you want to lay out um, the ideas in your your book? Well, uh, we're...
1: in in france we're, we're now preparing the presidential election of uh, two thousand and seventeen uh, francois Hollande has just said that he's stepping down and uh, because of the uh, of the many failures of of his uh, uh, of his mandate and uh, we are having a new right wing candidates uh, francois Fillon who scored a very um, impressive uh, uh, vote and turnout of voters also uh, more than four and a half million uh, people uh, decided to vote in the in the right wing primary, which was also a, a primary if I may say so, because it, uh, they never had it before in, in a right wing culture which was still very uh, authoritarian uh, and uh, and surprisingly uh, one of the reasons why Mr. Fillon, uh, who no one expected would win. Actually, one was that he was able to to deal with this uh, uh, feeling of anxiety that uh, um, that is that runs so deep into French society. After we had two hundred and thirty-nine people who died uh, between in between January seven, two thousand and fifteen, the Charlie Hebdo attack followed by the attack on the Jewish supermarket, the hyper-kosher. And uh, July 26, uh, 2016, when a Catholic priest, uh, an 86-year-old Catholic priest, was tapped to death during uh, Mass in in Normandy. And uh, this has left very, very deep scars in in the French public, even though journalists, pollsters, and so on and so forth who are Interested in finding out the state of the opinion uh, on on a daily basis missed it because it is uh, you know it's something which is which is very deep uh, which challenges French identity which challenges what people think they have in common and uh, Fillon uh, who had a a political program which wanted to to stress uh, identity politics. And um, also uh, to, uh, uh, to, to liberalize in a sort of, uh, uh, with a program which uh, echoes to some extent uh, what we think in France was Mrs. Thatcher's program, which may not be Mrs. Thatcher's program, uh, in a way, stroke a chord uh, in, in the French public. And um, so this, this issue of, of, of Islam uh, has become. One of the of the key uh, topics for for the new election, whether uh, it is uh, made public as such, uh, or uh, it's something which uh, uh, which runs uh, in a more discreet way, but uh, which is nevertheless uh, very present at at the core of the of the of the worries of, of the French electorate. So the fracture. Is the, the the possibility that 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 France is and Europe in, in general, but France in particular, because for for the first time we're at the vanguard of something. Unfortunately, we people say <laughs> we're not don't. the first
0: time. I mean, it's uh, it's one of France's traditional uh, self-imposed roles, is it not? Seventeen eighty-nine, nineteen sixty-eight. 2016. Yeah, but this was yeah, but this was at the time it
1: was it was uh, we we tended we wanted to look at it in a positive way. This is a rather negative issue, and uh, we it's, it's being said that we export nothing where well, we were the first net exporters of jihadists in Europe. So, which is a matter of glory, of course, and um, and we have the biggest number of victims, and this is this is a very very big issue.
0: So these 239 uh, dead are kind of hanging over yes the the election mm-hmm. and french politics yeah that they haunted if yeah. you want,
1: and uh, the the ghosts are the are the victims of jihad because uh, they, they, they drove a uh, wedge if you wish uh, into uh, what we believe is the, the the founding myth of french identity i.e. you know you, you didn't need to to be born French, it's not being French, it's not an issue of blood as it was traditionally in Germany of blut, it's it's an issue of, of uh, going to the grammar school, it's the lycée, which makes you French just like the palestra made you Greek in uh, in Athens in the 5th century BC, and this is something that runs very deep that has to do with the French Enlightenment Les Lumières, and so on and so forth and, uh, and suddenly you have uh, within a population that comes out from the what is called now the post-colonial immigration ie uh, people who whose parents had been under French yoke in in the French Empire uh, uh, who came to France who were educated born in France most of them who have French citizenship who went to school in France and then who should have shared the values a minority of them has decided that they had nothing to do with France except the passport which allows them to to go to, uh, to get a visa across a, a border to go to Jihad in Syria. And, uh, and they want to destroy uh, French society in, in the name of Sharia, in the name of, uh, of, uh, of, of, of Jihadism and Salafism. And this, in a way, uh, has um, created a, a suspicion, a, a soupçon, as we say in French, uh, that is to say that uh, for a number of uh, identity politicians, uh, most of them on the far right, but also some on the left, um, then you know there is this feeling that uh, if not all Muslims, at least a significant amount of them, consider that uh, you know they are not they don't they don't play by by the, by the rules. They they say they are French because they want to use all the benefits, social benefits, and and so on and so forth. Um, but they, they don't they don't uh, think French. They they just hate the country, and they want to destroy it. And uh, so you have on this uh, on, on the one hand on the far right side of the electorate, and this of course is reflected in the very very high uh, uh, voting. Uh, um, options uh, for uh, Madame Le Pen. Uh, and um, on the other hand, uh, you have the sort of, what we call in French, communautarism, communalism, if we may use a, a concept taken out from the British Raj mm-hmm. in, uh, in India. Um, so the empire strikes back uh, here again. Uh, communalists who consider that being... Um, uh, Islamic is is the is the most important issue that Muslims are um, endangered because they are they are being victimized by an overarching Islamophobia, state Islamophobia, as they say, and we have a sort of strange alliance between uh, Muslim Brothers uh, and their uh, signs in France. Uh, uh, paramount among them being, of course, Tarek Ramadan, who's. Uh, who was Hassan al-Banna's uh, grandson uh, the Muslim Brothers founder and uh, also now a, a new character uh, by the name of Marwan Muhammad um, the son of an Egyptian uh, father and an Algerian mother born in, and educated in France a former trader in a bank who's um, who's now the head of the what is called the Collectif contre l'islamophobie en France the, the, the committee against islamophobia in France which points French society as a globally Islamophobe and who engineered the whole campaign um, against uh, against the French state uh, in the summer with the so-called the infamous so-called burkini affair, which turned overnight France from a victim of jihadism into an executioner, if you want, into um, and uh, so and the fracture in a way. Uh, catches us between between the hammer and the anvil, the, the hammer of identity or identitarian politics on the extreme right and uh, of uh, communalist uh, Islamic politics on the other side. So how, and this is, I, b- I believe, one of the big challenges of the, of the coming election, It's even if it's not always explicit, the subtext is there, you know. And uh, this is why I wanted to sort of, in my way, with uh, 35 years of... A, of um, of, of scholarship in this in this field, I wanted to to, to, to bring to the public the the material uh, so that it could uh, vote in, in full uh, knowledge of
0: what is happening. So, <clears throat> if we try and unpack those two uh, extremes, on, on the one hand, there's this kind of change in the way that. Um, uh, islamism operates in in france and you're one of the earliest scholars of islam in the banlieue you've written about that for decades now in, in different ways can you maybe explain how that's changing and, and what is is driving it how much of what's happening is about the sort of traditional social exclusion of uh, and the sort of lack of opportunities how much of that is being fed by social media, by kind of international movements, how much of it is indigenous? Because you also recently had a, a big debate with another uh, famous scholar of, uh, of Islamism in France, Louis um, It would be very interesting maybe for people who haven't followed that as closely to sort of explain both how you see it, but also what the what the kind of debate in France is after these horrendous attacks, which have uh, been dominating the, the news and also people's psyches for the last couple of years, sure. Uh, well, uh, Olivier or Oli Roy, I see, is <laughs> now
1: on the other side of the, on the wrong side of the channel. Um, uh, is known, considers that um, um, the, this it, this has to do with what he calls the uh, Islamization of radicality, of radicalism. That is to say that he considers that you know, uh, uh, Germany had uh, the Haute armée fraction, uh, Italy had the brigateros, France had action direct, so it was uh, an, um, a sort of generation issue of uh, people who at the time used the language of communism because it was fashionable. And uh, now the language of, of revolt against society is green. So we have the Green Brigade or the Green Army Fraction or the whatever, uh, because it's Islamic, because it's the, the predominant uh, language uh, to fight against oppression, quote-unquote, in the world. And, uh, and tomorrow it may be brown. So it's, you know, it's not an issue. The, the, what, is, what is at stake there is, is the comparative dimension. And uh, therefore, he, I, I think he... he shuns uh, the cultural uh, dimension of it and the religious dimension so I am not at all against comparison and I believe that it's very important to see the commonalities and uh, also to to deal with uh, with the, the social and uh, and the psychological dimension because the uh, you know over the last five years I've, I've done an enormous amount of fieldwork in the banlieue Values, as they say in America. Mm-hmm. So this is the only word in French which uh, <laughs> you do not need to translate. <laughs> in the good old days, it was parfum, <laughs> champagne, you know, it's dahlia. And, uh, and, um, uh, um, and so, you know, you're in a country which, as opposed to most of Europe, which is going better socially, uh, France, and this is one of the big challenges also of the, of the forthcoming election, is a country where in, in the marginalized value um, you have something, an average of 40% of young people who are uh, on the dope. And therefore, uh, you know, there is this huge resentment against uh, society because, and, and the school system, because when the know how and uh, which the school is supposed to give you so that you have a job and so that you, you build yourself in a different way, so that you can become who you are if you want. When this, this is a dead-end street, then you throw away the values which are correlated with this knowledge, just like, like you throw away the baby with the, the, the bath water, right? It. And this has created this, this feeling of, um, of, of exclusion, of, of not belonging of, to, to French society. Um, add to that uh, xenophobia or uh, whatever, racism, and uh, and also add to that uh, the fact that in, uh, in our postmodern or post-industrial society where there are no blue-collar jobs anymore anyway, you have menial jobs, but you do not have unionized jobs. And um, then there is also something which has to do with uh, the, the, the breakdown of the family systems. And uh, in, in the interviews my students and myself have conducted with a number of families of, of young French people, or by French by, by their papers at least, who went to, to jihad in Syria, we were at pains to find uh, a father because had, fathers had disappeared. As some went back to North Africa to have a, a younger wife and left the, the older wife with the kids um, others, who the fathers of converts, um, just uh, led the, uh, as we say in French, the, the sexual hobo life, the vagabondage sexuel. I don't know how to say that in English. And uh, just it's too
0: exotic for anglers. That yeah, well, yes, it does. Lifestyle. Yeah, well, this does not does not exist in, in, in
1: Britain as well. And um, well, at least it's a scandal. It's not. It's not uh, amongst us. But we're French therefore And um, and the. Uh, 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 and so there again you have a number of, 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 of women who were left alone with their, with their kids went to the Barlius because uh, you know they could only find a, a, a rent in the projects and then the kids were socialized with young Muslim kids and as opposed to what I saw 30 years ago you mentioned my earlier books the, the first book I wrote about that was published in 1987 which you know a lot of, of water has flown under the bridges of the Seine since then uh, les banlieues de l'Islam no need to translate this title again and uh, at the time Salafism was close to non-existent and Salafism spread in Europe uh, after uh, Saddam Hussein had invaded Kuwait in 1990 and, uh, and there was such a pro-Saddam movement among European Muslims that you know the Saudis decided to send preachers with uh, their pockets full of cash and uh, and then um, build support for the Saudis and for Salafism in, in European yeah. Islam. So this all together, you know, created a sort of compact out of which you 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 started to see, and this I've, I've seen the change over the last thirty years, this sort of enclave mentality, and this enclave mentality, uh, in a way, became real with the big riots of two thousand and five. Yeah. Uh, and 2005 was a watershed year. This was the, the year when you had in Britain the uh, we uh, had the, the attacks the, yeah. in July, mm-hmm. and we didn't, we had the riots, which were not jihadic or jihadist per se, as opposed to what you know the Likud and the neocon press said, but it was, it had to do with Islam to an extent, because the 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 big start of the attack was the fact that the mosque. Was gassed accidentally with tear gases, um, and um, during Ramadan, and this was what you know—that um, was the, the sparkle that that lit the whole plane, and uh, you know, riots all over France, which in a way created this feeling that there, there were there were territories that you know uh, had become semi-autonomous, and on that, the Salafist movement has built. Now. Uh, The same 2005 was the year when uh, something very important happened on the social media, i.e. in January, a Syrian guy named Abu Musab al-Souri, who had studied engineering in France, married a Spaniard, and then was based in Londonistan, as we used to call London (laughs) at the time, where he, uh, if I may say so, kosherized the Algerian GIA, said it was halal uh, by by, uh, al-Qaeda standards, uh, he posted uh, in 2005, while Al-Qaeda was being repelled from Afghanistan by Operation Anaconda, if I remember well, he posted 1600 page, a 1600 page uh, pamphlet called The Call to Glo- for Global Islamic Resistance and said that the target of jihad should not be America, which was too far away and too mighty should not be solely the Muslim countries, because when Arabs kill Arabs, no one gives a damn, but it should be Europe. Europe is was the soft underbelly of the West, and the soldiers of this jihad were to be young Muslims from immigrant background or converts who did not feel well integrated into a European society. And the guy had lived uh, a decade in Europe, so he knew what he was talking about. And he knew what he was talking about. And this was this sort of network-based bottom-up jihad as opposed to the previous top-down uh, pyramidal uh, Bin Laden jihad and no one took it seriously and I remember one day I was in the foreign office in London and you know, in, in Britain uh, you don't meet only diplomats in the foreign office and one of the guys with a beard necessarily told me, you know this Suri thing is great because it does not work you know, those network-based um, terrorist networks will, will, will kill each other and it will not work, because at the time, people were obsessed with uh, Al-Qaeda. But it worked. What they missed was the cultural revolution of, of jihadism, or what I call third-generation jihadism, because the, the month after, <coughs> on the 14th of February, 2005, Valentine's Day, uh, something very important happened in California. YouTube got its license. And this changed the whole world. And then you have the social networks for YouTube, then uh, uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook and now Telegram, who played a tremendous and pivotal role for those groups to expand on a network-based and a bottom-up uh, scheme. And uh, this, was, was, this was a very, very potent uh, uh, vehicle, if you wish, to to carry this new form of jihadism. And so over the last decade you had this mix of social exclusion, psychological change and, uh, and social networks. Add to that the fact that you ha- we had the Arab upheavals which created rogue states, or whatever you call them, or failed states, in the immediate environment of the European Union, Libya, Syria, parts of Tunisia, Mali, Sinai, Yemen, and and uh, you know you could go to jihad in a, in a camper, uh, take the ferry and put your camper on uh, to go to jihad, which had nothing to do with sending Saudis in planes at, uh, onto the twin towers. You know, it's yeah. it was a totally different system, and this has led to the present situation.
0: So, uh, but how do you explain the sort of shift from from Al Qaeda to Daesh, for example? I mean, well, because because Al Qaeda failed.
1: Because, you know, 9-11 was so impressive, the magnitude was such. But the, the, Al-Qaeda was a movement that traced back to, um, you know, to, to uh, the 8 o'clock news uh, on television. They had to capture the imagination of the, of the TV viewers. Um, and uh, therefore, they needed to invest in an event of uh, an incredible magnitude that used the language of Hollywood. Uh, but uh, this, you know, uh, did not translate into mobilization of the masses, uh, because the Saudis uh, that flew into the towers or into the Pentagon had no relation whatsoever with, with the American public. And um, they were in the air, if I may say so, <laughs> but they had no grassroots. And, um, and, uh, and they hoped that that would lead the, the West to retaliate, and that then Iraq would be uh, the Vietnam, the second Vietnam of America, Britain, and the like. Uh, But this did not work out because, uh, you know, the the jihadists were ousted from Iraq, not so much by uh, the Western forces, by the the Shia, by Iran, which was the neocons' nemesis, but uh, with with whom they actually passed an alliance, strangely enough. And uh, so Suri wanted to, to find a way out of, of, this, uh, of this impasse, right, of this coup de sac, as I think you say in, in English. And um, in a way, if you look at jihadism in retrospect, it's, it's a sort of Hegelian process, you know. The first phase, the phase of affirmation, is jihad in Afghanistan, from Afghanistan to Algeria, local jihad, nearby jihad, as they say, al uh, Hadu uh, al-Qarib, the nearby enemy. In Arabic, and uh, it failed. It, 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 it worked in Afghanistan with the ousting of the Red Army, which led in its term to the fall of the Berlin Wall in 1989, but then it didn't work out in Algeria, in Egypt, or in Bosnia. So they decided to, f- then this was phase two, the phase of negation, if we follow the Hegelian scheme, uh, that targeted um, New York and Washington. Uh, which fail, as we just said, and then you have the, the third phase of the Aufhebung, the uh, Dépassement, the uh, negation of the negation, um, which is now, which is what we are living now. We've been living since two thousand five, and you know, in each each uh, stage, uh, there's a huge amount of lessons learned yeah. from the failures uh, of, of the previous phase, and uh, and this this present phase is. Uh, was uh, boosted by the fact that it, it went under the uh, intelligence community radars, right? But the downside of it, from their point of view, is that people who implement those operations in Europe are not very sophisticated. And this is, uh, this is their,
0: their, their weak point, I believe. And to what extent does the fact that there is a sort of territorial project, I mean, how does that play into it? with, the, with well, actually the idea of creating an Islamic state? Well, this was very important because it materialized the
1: utopia, if you want. You know, when people want you to die for uh, for jihad, and, uh, you know, we, you have to think that in the, the first and the most, the quintessential, the paradigmatic recruiting ground was the, the prison system, where you have jihadists who, um, in French prisons, the majority of the inmates are Muslims, not because Islam... Uh, leads to crime, but because uh, most of them are poor and they are part of the population that goes to jail. And um, so the, uh, the consequence uh, is that, you know, you have those guys who are jailed, they, they deal with petty delinquents, and uh, they, they tell them, you know, you're not here because you did anything wrong really, but because European societies are Islamophobic. And, you know, the only way for you to be redeemed is to engage in jihad and seek for martyrdom and everything. And then the, the Islamic states, when you, know, when, you, when you read what they write about it, it's a sort of, uh, it's the, the, how do you say, did you say that for the, the USSR, the radiant future? Is that what, shining mm-hmm. future? Is, is the radiant future, l'avenir radieux of, um, of the Islamists. And this is why I believe the fact that um, Mosul and Raqqa uh, may fall in, uh, in the weeks to come, the, probably Aleppo also will disappear or on, uh, because of, of Soviet and, and their allies' uh, bombings and pressure. Russians, I think, uh, Russian, I Russian, which is Soviet, days. actually, <laughs> it's post-Soviet, but it's... Uh, it a, you know, it's exactly the same as what happened in Algeria, when you make a comparison. You know, the modus operandi of the Bashar al-Assad regime and all the Algerian generals with the same Russian or Soviet or post-Soviet advisors is exactly the same. Breaking the ranks of the insurgents, and creating and helping an ultra Islamist radicalized group to emerge, so that to to scare uh, uh, the opponents and finally to make people feel that even if they don't like the regime, nevertheless it's better than it's maybe, better. Maybe. Yeah, of of two evils, let's uh, choose the, the lesser. And um, so this is. Uh, this is, I believe, uh, what we are now facing, i.e. Uh, the, the consequences of the, of the breakdown of the, of the caliphate utopia. People are going to try to come back. What are we going to do? We, we still have 700 French people there with a number of kids who were born there. And, um,
0: and as they are French,
1: you have to take them.
0: Yeah. So um, can I maybe... Uh, also bring you back to the other side of the of the equation. So we've now we've looked at the Islamist side of the equation. When it comes to the sort of French identitarian politics that's emerging, one of the texts which I came across, which. Um, is very illuminating about the sort of concept of, of threatened majorities, which seems to be appearing in many different places. Is, is this book by Rodolphe Camus, Le Grand which sort of argues that through um, uh, differential birth rates and mass immigration, there's a gradual change in the nature of the French population, which is going to undermine and de France and destroy its kind of basic values. To what extent is that a kind of template for understanding um, the uh, counter-mobilization to, to the Islamist one that you've just described?
1: Well, a decade ago, those ideas were dismissed as, you know, pure uh, neo-fascist uh, fantasy. And now they're being increasingly shared by the public, uh, particularly because uh, uh, the uh, people... Um, uh, have discovered that, in, not only in French, but in European societies now, you have this enclave system, and um, and there is there is this fear that uh, uh, that uh, you are talking about uh, populations that have immigrated recently. We still have a third world birth rate, and uh, families uh, of ten kids uh, have this number; those numbers have decreased among people from North Africa, but it's still, uh, it's still the case uh, with immigrants from uh, sub-Saharan Africa, for instance, and uh, together with polygamy. And therefore, this has, uh, has created a, a feeling of, of terrible fear, uh, and uh, which feeds uh, directly into, into the extreme right. Add to that the, the refugee crisis, uh, which uh, has created a, a major problem in Germany. You know now, Mrs. Merkel is being challenged by the Alternative for Deutschland on those on those bases, and uh, the last uh, by elections were, were lost by by her party in, in favor of the of those identitarian extreme right politics, and um, and the same is, is true in uh, in France. Even though we have very few refugees. Nevertheless, people saw on TV uh, images of uh, uh, immigrants coming by foot uh, with all the, the women veiled who uh, cross over the barbed wires in Hungary on a place they never heard about, and they sort of they feel threatened immediately. And then uh, Madame Le Pen has nothing just uh, nothing to say. She just points her finger at that. And uh, Now, the big issue is to what extent... Um, Will someone like François Fillon, who's now the, uh, the the candidate of the right, uh, be able to to diffuse, if you wish, this this appeal of the extreme right? Because uh, uh, I, I'm, I believe that his uh, his program was was able to 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 some extent to take into account the anxieties of this part of the electorate, which is not only in the right right? And, uh, and the fact that uh, 600,000 French voters who identified themselves with the left voted in the right's primary is interesting because they usually voted for, vote for Juppé because they wanted to oust Sarkozy. Uh, but nevertheless, they did something strange. You know, when, in, a, in European societies where we were used to have a right-wing binary opposition, they crossed the border, you know, and they signed a, a chart saying that they share the values of the right wing in the center. So that means, among other things, that the divide between the left and the right is becoming increasingly meaningless. And uh, our political system was based on that, you know. So, uh, and this sort of identity politics, this new type of fracture, crosses over the traditional European political.
0: Uh, frontiers. But at the same time, Fillon's not a natural defender of French secularism. I mean, he's quite uh, he said that he's closer to the Pope than he is to the people who wanted to have um, gay marriage. He uh, stands for a kind of quite religious, conservative segment of, of French society. That's part of his appeal, is, is in fact the fact that he's not secular.
1: Well, no, I think he is secular. Uh, the, uh, and and uh, you know, in his you you know there is I don't know if we should the Trump paradigm where you know he said oh this is something I said during the campaign it's it's worthless right Uh, after you're elected there's a a new language Uh, the um, uh, of course he was prime minister of Sarkozy during for five years and suffered very harshly under Sarkozy who didn't treat him well and he had his big revenge when Sarkozy was ousted from the primaries, but the, uh, at the time he did not uh, show any signs of uh, a twist toward uh, identity politics. You know, so I believe he's, uh, he's, he has understood the anxieties of the, of the electorate, and this is why he was elected in the, primary, in the right-wing primaries. But I, I don't believe he's, um, he's a staunch uh, believer in his uh, popist uh, in the country of uh, the separation of. Uh, of, uh, of of of
0: uh, church and, and state, and um, but, so what was that? But that was a sort of signal that he's not going to be bound by the political correctness. Yes, of, uh, this is this is absolutely
1: clear, and to some extent, you know, uh, when uh, people think about America and, and describe the Democrat Party as the sum total of the minorities as opposed to Trump, who was the, 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 the sort of... Uh, the tribune of the threatened white majority. Yeah, the threatened majority. To some extent, there's something like that, definitely. Uh, but the, uh, uh, you have to remember that not only was, is this trauma of the 239 dead uh, haunting us uh, altogether, but the last one who was killed was this uh, uh, 86-year-old priest and, you know, the French who are laïc, who are secularists, I mean, laïc is one of those words which cannot be translated into any language because it's so A much... A bit like sexual...
0: What was it, yeah, with your thing before? Vagabondin sexuel, yeah. yeah. We are, la- we are laïc <laughs> and vagabond sexual.
1: And uh, don't try to understand. Just call us frogs and that's okay. We are pleased with it. And, um, and uh, so this was this... Um, uh, suddenly... You know the French rediscovered that they were Catholics. You know, even someone like me, who's a staunch atheist, if you if you read the, the fracture, um, uh, uh, went so far as to quote the, the homily. Did you say that of the of the Archbishop of Rouen uh, at the service uh, for the funeral of, okay. of, of Father uh, Jacques Amel? And uh, uh, because I think you know it struck a chord. Uh, I think in in, in, in Most of the the public, because this uh, old man uh, was stabbed by two 19 year old kids who were French. One was even called Petit Jean because he was adopted by uh, a man who was called Petit Jean. And uh, Petit Jean goes back to uh, Robin Hood translated into French and also to Jean Valjean or Victor Hugo, you know. Um, and Petit Jean, who had become Abdel Malik Petit Jean, stabbed with a Kabil, uh, with uh, a 19-year-old Kabil, Adel Karmish, and the Kabil, if you wish, within Algerian immigration, were always considered the one who were the most imbued with French values. And suddenly there is this suspicion. And, And those two kids, in the name of jihad, in the name of Sharia, in the name of Allah, if you want, whatever you want, stabbed this old man uh, who lived in their neighborhood mm. they had to walk 10 minutes uh, because they were instructed to do so by a guy uh, another algerian from hoan who was uh, based in mosul uh, over um, in, uh, through the um, telegram messenger service and this you know bring this all together and you have you have a, a, a lot of the uh, of the reasons and the for for the for the Fillon
0: and on the other side now that Hollande is not standing, which is where we started with, presumably there'll be a lot of temptation to to get somebody who can also speak a language of security and identity, like Manuel Valls, the prime minister, who's been very tough on these issues. It's true, but you know, uh, if you consider that uh, for most
1: French, the uh, the the, the mandate, of the Kancke the five-year mandate that, that and just ended, was not great. And You know, uh, Hollande has a four percent popularity rate. It may surge after he just <laughs> said I'm stepping down, but it will be for useless. But um, uh, and this is an all-time low in, in, uh, since the versailles I think, yeah. you know, you <laughs> know, well, no, who came so, so who went so low. Um, So uh, even though Valls was was uh, very harsh on those issues, um, I I believe that politically he's nevertheless he's uh, he's an inheritor, if I may say so, of the of the Hollande uh, not so good legacy, and it will be hard to compete uh, on on those grounds with with the right wing, with uh, with Fillon definitely, and also. Uh, from what we can uh, anticipate the the left the political offer on the left will be split between at least three voices on the most uh, extreme left uh, Jean-Luc Mélenchon uh, who's a a sort of uh, nationalist and communist if you want and um, uh, who will uh, cater uh, to the uh, to the most leftist populism, to an extent which will be not insignificant, um, on, in the centre of the left wing offer, whoever comes out of the left wing primaries, if we have such a thing of left wing primaries, because this is not sure, and and then on the centre left, Emmanuel Macron. So. So your prediction is that Fillon is going to win. As of today. I uh, could not see any other option, but you know things may change tomorrow, which is the great thing with with politics that you never know until until uh, you're out of the of the booths. You know, no one predicted Trumps victory or very few people, and until the evening of the of the right wing's primaries, no one ever thought that Fillon could win. So you know this this all. Uh, uh,
0: This is something for the pollsters and the journalists. Well, thank you very much, Gilles. I'm sure we will come back again to you uh, to talk about these topics as we come towards the the elections in in May, but also think about the longer-term future of how France and Europe will deal with these deep questions of identity, of religion, of our relationship with our near neighbours in the Middle East and North Africa in this interconnected world of Facebook um, and... And Telegram, uh, don't forget. Telegram, Telegram. (laughs) which you described. Um, If you've enjoyed this podcast, please uh, give us a rating or a review on iTunes, on SoundCloud or Mixcloud or whatever platform uh, you're using to, to listen to this. Tweet about it, write about it on your Facebook page or on ECFR's Facebook page. And uh, do get in touch if you have any comments. My email address is mark.leonard at ecfr.eu. You will find links to some of Gilles Gepel's fascinating writings on the podcast page, which is www.ecfr.eu slash podcasts. But for now, from Gilles Geppel and myself, Mark Leonard, it's goodbye. The editor of ECFR's podcast is Katarina boutel atinaro and our researcher is Ulrike frank